It is June 18th, 2018. I have returned from my road trip uh, to North Carolina and back uh, from southern New Mexico. And what follows is all the audio that I recorded um, before, during, and immediately after that journey. So there's going to be just some random clips from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, which was my first stop. And then there might be um, a clip or two from Nashville. I stopped off at Third Man Records in Nashville. Um, A little podcast I did from the road as I was approaching Carborough, North Carolina. And then the last 30 minutes or so of this podcast, I am doing sort of a a cross uh, podcast. I recorded um, an Integral Health Resources podcast as soon as I got home. And um, for those who don't know, that's the the podcast that covers my more academic interests and in counseling and meditation and that kind of stuff. But I covered, you know, enough of a, a personal response to the trip that um, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and put that on here, too, because, uh, frankly, I don't feel like re-recording a bunch of new material. So, without further ado... Here is the audio from Road Trip Summer 2018. So this morning I'm at the beautiful Arkansas River Trail, which uh, I had a chance to come here earlier this morning. My wife was uh, crouched over the bed at like 6.30 saying, hey, let's go. And uh, I just couldn't get out of bed. So now I'm coming on my own. Actually, I just finished my little three-mile run. Just wanted to take a quick peek at this beautiful uh, Arkansas River area. This is where we always come running or walking whenever we're staying with my wife's mom. And it's really beautiful. On the other side of this bridge here, there's a gorgeous shaded uh, all-purpose trail. And that's where I went for my run. And uh, it was really awesome, beautiful. There's the river. And it's interesting, when you're running on these trails and you have people coming in the other direction, you just hear snippets of conversation. So that was one of the, the interesting things I took note of. It's like each one of these people or these couples or groups of people all have their own, their own lives. And I heard things like the following. She's got a lot of work to do. You know, one therapy session a week just isn't going to cut it. And then I heard, you hear about John? Cancer? Yeah, it's too bad. And then I heard something like, well, that'll give you a reason to get out of bed in the morning if you have to mow a portion. I thought you said mow a portion. That could have been something different. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. I'm going to head back to the car. And uh, tomorrow morning's when the solo road trip starts. Be jumping in my Toyota Camry and uh, heading for Third Man Records in Nashville, Tennessee. All right, so this is um, 
what is called the Romantic Road Trip. As you can see, I am on uh, Interstate 40 heading east to Nashville, Tennessee, traveling at the rate of uh, uh, one mile per hour. And my AI, my onboard AI, tried to warn me about this and have me take a different exit, but I was like yelling at it like, why are you asking me to get off at, you know, exit 147 when I know I'm going to be on I-40 for, you know, 300 miles. And apparently it's because there's this huge delay, so this is the part of cross-country travel that you don't really think about. Um, earlier today, though, I was definitely living it up. I purchased Alice in Chains' Facelift, their first album, before I came on the trip. Uh, I hadn't heard that record in a long time, and I lost my cassette copy of it, so... I just cranked that shit up and shredded my vocal cords for 45 minutes earlier this morning. Otherwise, listening to some podcasts, um, it's been a it's been a pretty good trip so far, right up until now. And uh, I passed through Memphis, Tennessee. I realized that I had forgotten to put ice in my cooler, so I got off and decided to grab a bag of ice. And while I was waiting in line to buy the ice, just some random guy who was in front of me turned and said, is that all you're getting? Uh, I'll take care of that. Just went ahead and bought the ice for me. So I thought that was pretty cool. He saw my license plate and he had been to Santa Fe and good friendly people in Memphis, Tennessee. So I'm hoping uh, for the same in Nashville. Looks like traffic is moving along a little bit better. So I'm going to sign off so I don't attract the attention of the sheriff all right i'm about to uh head into third man records in nashville taking a little pit stop here in this little weird part of town you can see the uh record store there i'll let you know how it is hopefully my car won't get jacked Alright, that was fun. Third Man Records. Heading home, making sure my car is not in the process of being ticketed. Checking with you later. Alright, dude. So, this is my first podcast from the road. I am currently about two hours away from Carborough, North Carolina. I'm on Highway 40, headed east. I spent the night in Asheville last night. Got in kind of late. I uh, didn't really have time to hang out and experience Asheville. I don't think I was going to do much of that anyway, but... I got in and just pretty much ate a little dinner that I had packed. And then crashed for the night. And I didn't sleep great, but got up and... All I did was take a walk, basically, to downtown Asheville and looked for the first uh, funky coffee shop I could find, get a breakfast burrito, a cup of coffee. Went back to the room, and then um, Eric got in touch with me, my buddy who, who I'm going to visit. And 
it was weird because I had never actually officially asked him if I could stay at his house. And then all of a sudden I felt a little self-conscious about that. Like, maybe I should ask. Because seven years is a long time and I don't really know, since he's not a social media type, you know, how his life has changed. And I didn't really even know for sure if he was living in the same house. So all of a sudden I thought, shit. We've never actually explicitly talked about where I'm going to stay. And, of course, when he got back to me, he was like, of course you're staying with me, dude. Don't be ridiculous. But, uh, anyway, so that that was a, a little bit of awkwardness, the first signs I could tell that I was getting a little anxious about the whole thing since I'm this close now to my destination. And then Eric, um, he set up a group text between... Uh, me, himself, and my other two buddies that were in the band with us back in the day. So it was sort of like uh, literally getting the band back together. And then we started all texting back and forth, and it was just that usual banter that, uh, that we always had. We kind of fell right back into it. Um, a lot of the same sense of humor and, of course, making reference to things that you know, really aren't uh, on the tip of my tongue these days. We're talking about, you know, synapses that have not been firing in a minimum seven years. But uh, it was kind of fun, and we were just, you know, going back and forth via text, and we're all going to get together for dinner tonight at one of our favorite old haunts. Um, But, yeah, I could... I could see that I was starting to get anxious. I just had to pull off the highway a minute ago just to go to a rest area because I'm starting to get that uh, jittery feeling that I would get actually before we would play shows together as a band. I would get this level of nerves where I was like running to the bathroom every five minutes. and uh, So here I am... um, absolutely not performing really in any way but maybe sort of I feel like I am going to be performing I I don't know just not having seen people in so many years you want to leave a good impression you know that you know people are going to be looking at you to see the differences that have happened since you left and they're going to see my hairlines receded and uh you know, some lines have built up around the eyes and whatever signs of aging, and I'm going to see the same in them. So we know that that's, that's naturally going to happen. But, uh, yeah, it's just this nervousness. It's like uh, what I imagine I would feel going to, like, a high school reunion if I gave a shit about high school. Actually, there is a high school reunion. I, I think it's, um, let me see, the 30th high school reunion is happening this summer as well in New York, but I'm not going to New York, and I wouldn't have any interest in a high school reunion anyway. These are, um, you know, this is my my group of friends that I think is the most solid. Uh, My high school friends, those bonds have broken a long time ago. My college friends, those bonds have broken as well, although I'm sure if I if I saw a couple of my college friends just happen to run into them or there was a reason why we would get together, I think we'd fall back into 
uh, a sense of connection fairly easily, at least for, with a couple of them. But these guys here, um, yeah, this was the, the sort of the final stage of my life where I was really open to making these kind of deep friendships. I was listening to a podcast on the way on the road at some point, and um, Sam Harris, the neuroscientist and philosopher, was talking about... uh, Well, someone asked him a question about his early experiences and stages of life, that sort of thing. And he's in a stage of life now. He's a little bit older than me, a few years or a couple years, and he's got two daughters, and obviously he's got a burgeoning career now as a podcaster and so forth. So he was talking about that, but he was also saying that uh, in hindsight, there are certain times of your life that are more suited to do certain things, and those doors can close. And of course, when you're young, you might not realize that so us us old middle-aged guys I find myself in this role sometimes encouraging younger people to you know take that year off from college or go travel or or take that chance uh, of being a starving artist or whatever it is your dream is gonna be because it's easier to do that when you're younger you have more energy you uh, you know if, if you're gonna have kids you don't have kids you don't have uh, a career necessarily that's that you're locked into and so yeah I, I and he also mentioned that you know when you're in your 20s that's and perhaps into your early 30s is when you make these deep friendships and at least in his experience he never really made very close friendships in that same way again course he has his wife and his kids and he has whatever friendships he already had and he has different people he's meeting now and acquaintances and so forth but the that that time when you're making those uh those bonds um I don't think it's impossible to do that later in life but I can really relate to that notion that there's a a phase in your life when it's it's more likely for those bonds to be made and and it might not happen again so um, I'm realizing that as I'm heading back to Carborough and it's seven years later and I had already you know the seven years ago I was it was my second stint in Carborough I had left and come back and during that time I left I really didn't make any close friendships either so these are all friendships that were forged from about 1999 to about 2004 that was the sort of the initial stage when I was living in Carborough then I left I came back really I came back because I missed those those connections and those friendships and of course those were reestablished and and now seven years later I look at my entire time in New Mexico and there's nobody there that other than my wife that I really care about. I've got one buddy now that you know I'll go and to a bar with and uh, watch a basketball game with him or we'll shoot the shit. We have a lot of common interests so we'll get into to good conversations and I feel that there's a potential for that same type of connection with him. Um, he was a guy that was in my counseling program with me when I was getting my master's degree. 
but he's also uh, he was he mentioned he was born in 1984 and we were talking about basketball and I was like yeah that's when I was celebrating the the Celtics winning their title and I was 14 years old and that's when he was born so we've got a, a pretty big age difference although it doesn't feel as if we do but certainly you know and he's at that stage maybe still in his early 30s where he's he's able to make those connections but people my own age and co-workers and so forth it just seems like it's not happening so I don't think it's I want to fall into the the trap of that being some hard fast rule where I can't you know I'm not gonna create these friendships because the truth of the matter is this could be the last time I see these guys in North Carolina I don't think I'm gonna get in the car and drive 1854 miles one way very often and I don't imagine them coming out to see me so uh, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this it's the reason I'm doing it really is because I thought that um, after seven years if I don't take advantage of the moment now where I, I have access to this new car and um, I was already sort of halfway there visiting my mother-in-law in Arkansas that if I didn't take advantage of this moment it wasn't going to happen so so now it's happening, and uh, I'm about, you know, an hour and a half or so away. I'm going to get there uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I'm going to just roam around the old town for about two hours. I'm meeting those guys at 6 for dinner. So I'll have two hours by myself just to, just to, I don't know, unwind a little bit. I feel like I'm wound up. I'm nervous. Um, I'm, you know, I'm even looking at my own appearance, which is embarrassing as a 47 year old dude. I'm just like thinking, you know, I'm choosing the shirt I'm going to wear this morning. Like it's an important thing, you know? Um, but I don't know. I suppose that's, that's all normal. So there's an excitement. There's a discomfort I'm not used to feeling. That's another thing I was, was just thinking about a minute ago when you talk about uh, phases of your life it seems like when you're younger maybe in your 20s you're more willing you're either more willing to be uncomfortable or you're just throwing yourself in uncomfortable situations and that discomfort oftentimes generates personal growth and it's really been a while since I've been uncomfortable with the exception of you know starting new jobs which it seems like I do every year uh those seem to be the only moments where I'm, I really experience discomfort. When, I'm, when I have to teach in front of a classroom uh, at my current job, I'm always uncomfortable because I don't know what's going to happen. And I still, as a first-year school counselor, I'm not always sure what I'm doing. And I imagine that's going to go away after I do this job for a couple of years. And I've, you know, I've been in every sort of situation there is I don't think I'm going to get too amped up before teaching a class I certainly don't get nervous when I do one-to-one -one counseling and once that goes away there literally will be almost no uh, moment in my life as it's currently constructed where I have to experience discomfort and that's a problem I think if you want to continue to grow and not just fall into a stale orbit uh, you really do have to 
you have to voluntarily move yourself out of the comfort zone, which is is not um, intuitive or it's not natural. When you're thrown into it, it's what I I miss about being in the band. Uh, you're just just by the very nature of, of doing that. I was constantly thrown into situations where I was very uncomfortable. I mean, I wasn't the best musician. When I joined the band, I was asked to play an instrument that I never played, and you have to learn these songs, and they were, you know, beyond my ability just a little bit, and I'd really have to work hard to to get everything down, and I was, you know, very shy, and I had stage fright, and I'd had just had to overcome it all because everybody was counting on me. And then the personal growth that happened during that period was just amazing, which is why I value and romanticize uh, this time of my life. I mean, I guess romanticize makes it seem like it's it's not warranted. I think it's it really is. I mean, this is a this is really the place that I'm going to right now. Carborough is the closest thing to home that I have I honestly feel a very limited connection to my hometown I mean obviously I left there and I never went back when I go there you know there is a sense of this is where I'm from but I knew that I didn't belong there which is why I had to go Um, this town Carborough I don't it's not just about the place although I think partially is it's a really at least it was seven years ago or ten years ago. It was a really unique college town that had just per capita so many people that shared my values, so many artist types, people that were that valued creativity and authenticity, and um, so I I found my kind of people there, and I set up you know, my kind of life there. So that's why it was really hard for me to leave. And I would have loved to have stayed there and bought a house. And, but, uh, that's something that happens when you, when you pair up and you have another person's life arc that you get attached to. So, you know, we're in New Mexico and we're probably going to be there for a while. Who knows about forever, but you know, we have the house and all that. And I do like it there. And I, and I, you know, I love my wife and She's actually in Europe right now as I'm speaking on a trip with her mother. Um, And things are really at an all-time high in terms of our marriage, our relationship. We've been together for 17 years. And it started out fairly rocky. And it really built its way up to what it is now. It wasn't maybe the typical relationship where we were the perfect couple in the beginning when we were in love and projecting different things onto each other and um, it actually is a thousand times better now than it was in the beginning it just keeps getting better so you know I couldn't be happier with that and I like my life in New Mexico with my wife but I do miss this I miss this this feeling of uh, camaraderie with my friends and just the sense of discomfort that I'm feeling right now as I approach my my hometown, my real hometown or spiritual hometown, whatever you want to call it. So I think that's really all I have for now. 
I think I'll sign off. I wanted to just be sure I was at least going to do one podcast from the road here. The next time you hear from me, I will have uh, already connected with my buddies and I'm sure I'll have more spinning around my head and heart. So until then, later. Good morning. I say it's morning. It's about 1130 mountain time here in New Mexico, and I've been up since 420, which is absolutely amazing to me. I've been up for seven hours. My sleep schedule is definitely all over the place. Um, I think I mentioned before in a previous episode, I listened to a guy named Matthew Walker from Berkeley have a three-hour conversation with Joe Rogan about sleep science, and it was absolutely fascinating. And it had really taken me about a year to get myself on a super early morning schedule. This is my second year as a school counselor, uh, switched over from high school to elementary school, and then started waking up even earlier. My wife is is an early bird, and we were getting up 5.30 as sort of the standard time, and even earlier than that if we were going to go for a run or something together. So after about a year of that and very rarely uh, throwing myself off with, a, you know, a night out on the weekend or something because I really don't have that kind of social life anymore. I pretty much had that, that pattern locked down and experienced a lot of the benefits. It's really an awesome thing to be able to go into work nine to five every single day or not nine to five for me, I guess, seven thirty to three thirty, and feel good, feel present and awake um, on the rare occasions when I didn't feel that way, I really could tell the difference. And part of the nature of my job is I need to be present. I'm, you know, I'm counseling kids and interacting with kids and kids like dogs and anyone else with their, you know, instinct intact. They can really sniff out when you're not there, when you're not present. And I hate shortchanging the kids by coming in all, you know, groggy and whatnot. So. I'm really committed to being super present every day, and very rarely will I choose to stay up late or do something that would intentionally compromise that. So I had this awesome pattern going, but then, you know, it's summer now, and I immediately took a road trip to North Carolina, which I just returned from a couple days ago. And that's tough. You know, I'm crossing time zones and staying in uh, other people's houses and hotels, so everything was pretty uh, badly thrown off immediately. Um, When I got to North Carolina, I was uh, crashing with my my best friend, and it's just part of our thing is to stay up late and drink beers and and talk and whatnot. And so it was inevitable, and that's his pattern. He he has a a 9-to-5 job during the week, but he was telling me that he and his wife always stay up uh, till two, three in the morning on Friday, Saturday, and then, you know, stay up late on Sunday and get total garbage sleep going into Monday and, you know, pretty regularly get crappy sleep during the week. And, you know, they feel the effects of it. And of course, I was proselytizing the gospel of Matthew Walker and uh, telling them they should check out that podcast and really try the experiment of, uh, 
just committing to good sleep, you know, even on the work day. So I know it's going to be tough for my friend because he's still a part of the music scene and goes out to shows and plays shows, but um, definitely an experiment uh, experiment worth uh, making. Um, other uh, sort of health-related insights from the trip, uh, again, uh, you know, I'm on this, this uh, attentionology kick, and of course, one of the things I was hoping is that I was going to go and, um, you know, exercise every morning and do a lot of meditation and all this creative stuff. And pretty much, you know, that didn't happen. It happened more than it usually does on trips like that. But um, it's hard to it's hard to do that, especially if you're staying at somebody else's house and all that. So I really wasn't, uh, you know, quite able to do that. And I was even hoping in the car, one of the reasons I was looking forward to doing a solo road trip when I was just going to be on the road for all those hours is I remember that being a, a source of creativity, you know, just having all that time to think and have your mind wander. What I quickly forgot, though, is, you know, I got in the car. This is a new car, my first ever new car. And, of course, it syncs right up with your uh, your iPhone or your iPod Touch. And I had all these podcasts and, you know, a billion hours of music in the library. And, of course, I fell right into just... Uh, listening to podcast after podcast and, and music, uh, you know, just continuously. And it was, uh, it was insane. I, I think it was uh, really not until I was about an hour or two hours out from my destination in uh, Carborough, North Carolina, that it even occurred to me that, you know, hey, I'm not, I'm not recording, you know, podcasts and song ideas on the road and having all these great insights because I'm just flooding my attention with uh, input and uh, so I finally just turned everything off to sort of sit with how I was feeling. And of course, I was feeling a little bit anxious, anxious to see, you know, friends after a seven year absence and and just excited to be going back to my hometown. And I just just sitting with that for uh, a few minutes, I was like, oh, OK, there's there's a bunch of stuff going on, you know, internally. And then finally, I did grab my um my little handheld recorder and recorded a podcast from the road. So it was amazing though, that I, I really just basically forgot about that. And just was, um, you know, all this, uh, all this input from the, from the road trip. I mean, of course it's hard to drive all those hours every day. And, uh, on the way home from North Carolina, I was well aware of what I was doing. I was just wanting to get back home and I was happy to, have the podcast and the music and stuff going. So, but you know, it's, it's one of these things that I'm wrestling with now as I, uh, I have my first smartphone less than a year. Actually, I got it the beginning of the, of the school year and I fell right into, uh, what I was worried about, which was, um, basically just looking at the damn thing all the time. There's so much in there. Um, email, texting, videos, reading articles, listening to podcasts that, you know, can really command a ton of my day. And and just as uh, nine months was enough to change my sleep patterns, my attention patterns with the smartphone really shifted in nine months. And I got into um, uh, some bad habits. I mean, 
podcasts are very interesting, and uh, I'm really glad to have discovered um, podcasting as a medium. But uh, there's just so many interesting podcasts, and uh, you know, I could be having the, those things on when I'm doing chores, when I'm going for a walk. All these times, I would normally have nothing, no input to my mind. And my mind could wander and I could have various thoughts and insights. Now I'm, I'm constantly flooding it. You know, when I'm in the bathroom, I've got the phone, you know, all the, it's, it's really a, it's a shit show, literally. Um, so it's something I need to think about. Um, I'm still, I still love the podcast, but I have to be a lot more mindful of just how often I'm flooding my attention with, uh, with things. Uh, what else can I tell you today? Uh, I listened to a really, uh, I don't know, I was, it was surprising. Um, again, I was going for a walk and instead of just going for a walk out in nature, of course, I've got to have the podcast on and I depleted my, um, my library on the road trip. So I, I went to the Duncan Trussell family hour. Duncan is a, a weird, wacky, uh, up comic who's got a lot of, uh, I don't know, new agey, spiritual, psychedelic type of uh, vibe to him. And his guest was Jack Cornfield, the famous meditation teacher. And um, he runs a, a retreat center out in Northern California. And I've, I've been aware of Jack Cornfield and, and seen him and read a few things. And he's, he's, for some reason, though, I've never been particularly interested in him. I don't know if he's, he was too mainstream for me or. But, you know, whatever, I thought it might be interesting. I figured, you know, he had to be getting up there in age. And uh, I listened to this conversation, and when I was really surprised that he addressed a lot of the things that uh, are on my mind about this um, safeguarding your attention in this age of distraction and kind of outrage porn on social media. And he said a lot of things that... um, I think we're really interesting in that regard. Uh, one of the things he said, talking about um, social media and ec- sort of echoing Tristan Harris's um, work, is Cornfield said, quote, The best paid psychologists in America are working on algorithms to grab the attention from your brain. And the best way to do it is the lower part of your brainstem through greed, hatred, and fear. So there he's talking about um, just all, you know, hate posting and all uh, stuff about Trump and the news that everybody's kind of flipping out over and um, pointing out that this is a deliberate uh, strategy on the part of the media to obviously get your eyeballs on different platforms and to grab your attention. And it works. And one of the things he said... uh, is the following quote. Um, I'm going to cut my news down to 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes will get you the gist of it, so why run the rest of it through your nervous system? And then, instead of running it through your nervous system, say, now I'm a free agent. I'm a human being, and I'm going to do what's really true to my own heart. You sit, you quiet the mind, you listen inside, and then you see what your gift is. Uh, I really like that. Of course, I've also followed this strategy. I do not pay much attention to the news. I have a the NPR news app, which I open up and forget about 10 minutes. It's more like 10 seconds I spend on it. 
very rarely, maybe once a week, a story or a headline will interest me enough to click on it and glance at it. But pretty much I get the gist, you know, Trump did this, North Korea, this, that, and the other thing. And then I'm as aware as I need to be of what's going on and uh, helps me make sense of various things I hear on social media and from people. But I don't, uh, as he says, you know, why run the rest of that through your nervous system? And that's that's the part I find most interesting is that's what people are doing by consuming things that are designed to trigger their amygdala and and release cortisol and all these other stress hormones. They're running this um, this uh, information and infotainment through their nervous system, and they're having to deal with the consequences of that, which is uh, stressing you out, you know, fucking with your sleep, um, making you, uh, you know, when you're all outraged and stressed and pissed, you're not at your best, your communication suffers, you're probably... Um, not communicating with other people in the in the best way. You're just not at your best. And I like uh, Cornfield's um, prescription as well that, you know, instead of all that time, you could be spent, quote, running that crap through your nervous system. Uh, you have to make some time to just sit quietly and listen um, to your heart. And his his response of sort of what do you do in this world where, you know, at least it seems like everything's going to shit. Uh, it's very simple. It's just um, sitting, listening to that sort of inner voice. And he he talked about seeing what your gift is. And I really like that. He also mentioned um, the following, and I forgot exactly who he was quoting, but uh, Cornfield said, quote, Among the Dagara people in West Africa, it is believed that every child born carries a certain cargo and that your job in this human carnation is to deliver your cargo your particular gift so i love that metaphor of delivering your cargo because like you know like everyone i'm struggling with the same stuff here i have the summer it's like what what am i doing is what i'm doing self-indulgent uh, is it is it important um, i have the summer off here and how should i be spending my time and and I like that idea of just sitting quietly, waiting to see what comes up, and thinking of that as your your cargo or your gift. And delivering that gives it that sort of active uh, relational component that I like. So, you know, this podcast right now is me delivering my cargo um, and whatever else comes up on my other podcast, on Head the Gong, or my music, or whatever I do. What I'm putting out on social media, my um, my attitude is that it's this cargo delivery. I want to put put positive, fruitful stuff out there, and not just um, you know trash talking and whatnot. So, anyway, I highly recommend that episode um, of the Duncan Trussell Family Hour with Jack Hornfield, and I'll throw that up there. Um, yeah, I was, when I was in North Carolina, I was definitely proselytizing about podcasts and because I was asking my buddy, I mean, I hadn't seen him in seven years, you know, like, what are you interested in? Like, what's been on your mind? What are the things that you're into now? Of course, we were into indie rock music and we each had our own thing. You know, I loved Henry Miller, the author, and, um, 
you know, so every, each one of us had our own interests and we were obviously aware of what those were. We lived together. We were best friends. And, um, you know, I was telling him that, yeah, I'm just, I've gotten really into podcasts and he hasn't at all. His wife listens to some podcasts while she's washing the dishes, but he, it's just not something that, uh, has interested him, but he was curious. So I, I talked about, uh, the Matthew Walker and the sleep stuff and the general vibe of the Joe Rogan experience and Sam Harris is waking up some of the stuff that I really like. And, uh, we talked about Michael Pollan, the um, the author who's come up with this book. I forgot what it's called. Maybe Changing Your Mind. Uh, he's promoting this book now, and it's uh, I mentioned it on the previous podcast. It's he's talking about psychedelics and um, the potential uses of it. And uh, Eric was really my friend. He was really interested in that, um, and he, his wife, and I chatted about that for a while and Eric has done uh, mushrooms a few times and had you know he uh, which one thing I didn't know is uh, an early mushroom experience of his was really instrumental in his sort of launching himself into um, his music and he used to be he went to uh, Duke for electrical engineering and he was you know working in the corporate world making a lot of money and uh, but not you know not feeling satisfied and doing mushrooms was uh, like a catalyst for him and uh, just dropping all that and um, deciding to live a life, you know, of art and creativity and authenticity. So anyway, we were talking about uh, both of our interest in it and and DMT in particular. Um, Maybe we're sort of planning on uh, doing some DMT together in the future or something. But of course, I see the guy once every seven years, so... Um, yeah, so I was definitely, uh, proselytizing on the podcast, despite the fact that I, I just mentioned that I've been, you know, listening to too many of them. Well, one of the, the positives about podcasts, and this really struck me, um, in the following way. So being, uh, in, um, Carborough with Eric, I mean, within 10 minutes, the trip was worth it. We were immediately you know, telling each other the stories that sort of make up what's been going on with us in the last seven years. A lot of happened, you know what I mean? My dad died, his mom died, uh, all the, all the shit that happened since I moved out here, everything I'm interested in, the things that I'm wrestling with and, and the same with him. So we're just talking. We're just two friends talking, telling each other different stories and anecdotes. And it was really wonderful. I mean, I miss that so much. Of course, I have my wife here and um, a couple of friends here, but it's, that's really, what I didn't realize is how huge that is and, and what uh, having a friend like him means is to have somebody that, you know, you can tell your stories to and who's really interested in your stories and vice versa. And so this was a dominant theme the whole time I was home, you know, we're just catching up after seven years and also other people, my, you know, I saw other friends there. And then when I was driving home on the long trip back, one of the first podcasts I listened to was, uh, Joe Rogan and Tom Papa. 
Tom Papa is a stand-up comic who has his own podcast, and he's just a super nice guy, just a very congenial fellow. Another, like Joe Rogan, a great conversationalist. And the two of them just talked. It was just two friends talking. And this is what I love about that show. I mean, with Joe Rogan, it could be, you know, like I mentioned before, he could be speaking with Matthew Walker, who's an academic on a certain topic, or he'd be talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson, or he could be just getting high talking about martial arts with a friend of his. But in this case, it was just Joe Rogan and Tom Papa. They're both dads. They're both stand-up comics. They're both just human beings, and they just talked, like just two friends catching up. And that's really what that podcast is in a lot of ways. I mean, Joe Rogan, and he's mentioned this, and so has some of his guests, is sometimes the only time they spend together is on the podcast. They're just scheduling that time in and catching up with each other the same exact way whether the mics are on or off. It's just two friends catching up. So listening to these two guys talk, and it's just, it was very clear to me what the one of the main functions of listening to podcasts have been in my life uh, over these last few years is that I really miss that exchange, that that two friends talking, just the exchange of, of stories. And of course, when you're listening to a podcast, it's a passive thing and you're not, it's a one-way street. You know, nobody is um, listening to me, but you're still getting that vibe and it feels so personal to just listen to two friends really deeply and authentically uh, just talk to each other for three straight hours. And so, yeah, I realized that's really one of the reasons why I've turned to this medium and the, the type of podcast that I like is just uh, people talking to each other in the way I'd like to be talking to um, my friends if I had any. <laughs> you know, I do. Like I said, I don't want to dismiss my one buddy here because he's He's really serving the only, he's the only person along with my wife that I have that with, but I still long for, for more of it. And, um, you know, with my friend, uh, Eric, there's really nothing that's out of bounds and we have such an overlap of interests. Whereas, you know, say with my wife, I mean, we, we could talk about a lot of things, but we don't have certain things in common. So that's the beauty of, of friendship uh, and relationship as it really struck me is just that, you know, someone to tell your stories to, someone who's interested in your stories, someone whose stories you are interested in. And just that exchange and uh, is just so awesome. And it's just something I've really missed. And uh, so anyway, that that's one of the one of the things with um, listening to podcasts that I can say um it's a double-edged sword. You know, it's it's giving me a lot, but, you know, you have to know when to uh, put a break on that shit so you don't drive yourself insane. But I'll leave it there. Um, I've rambled on for about a half an hour here. Um, this, again, is just part of me delivering my cargo. So I hope everybody is well out there, and I will talk to you next time.
I'm sick.